special way. Praise God. Praise God. I want to just remind you, we're going to read from Matthew 12 in just a minute, but I want to remind you that this uh, two weeks from today is our next Baptism Sunday and child and baby dedication. So if you have a child or a baby that you would like to dedicate unto the Lord, we don't baptize children because they're innocent in the eyes of the Lord, but we do dedicate them to the Lord. Uh, and for the dedication, we need to get your name because we do dedications a little different than baptisms. Um, and, and so we want to be prepared. So if you have a child or a, <clears throat> uh, an infant that would like you would like to dedicate to the Lord, if you will just see uh, my wife or I and we can get all that set up and, and ready to go. And then Baptism Sunday will be on the 15th as well. And we're trusting that the Lord will send those that need to be baptized in his name. Praise God. We want to, just before I go into the word of the Lord, oh, I also want to remind, this is for all, especially for Grace College. There's no Grace College this week because my aunt is getting married, or my aunt, my niece is getting married. And so we have to uh, get a, the privilege. I shouldn't say we have to. We get the privilege of going and she asked us to uh, perform the ceremony, so we're going to be with them Thursday and Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good good week, so we have to adjust the schedule just a little bit. Praise God. But we want to, before we go to the word of the Lord, we want to pray. There's all kinds of needs. Just watch your um, uh, emails from Taryn. She, anybody sends her prayer requests, she's very quick to send them out. I encourage you to check it a couple of times a day because... It's, a, it's amazing. Sometimes you get a prayer request in the morning and an answer to prayer in the afternoon. And so we can uh, call on the name of the Lord. Uh, but before we speak, we want to pray especially for this week uh, is the next um, Lost Sheep Intensive starting Tuesday to Tuesday. And so we want to pray for all of those that are coming and going to be a part of that. We want to pray for Marjorie and Dave that the Lord would just use them. And let the power and the glory and the deliverance of God rest in that meeting this coming week. It begins on Tuesday and goes to the following Tuesday that the Lord would just explode all over the place. Can we do that right now and pray that, Jesus? Lord, I'm thankful, God, for the desire to see people saved and delivered. And I'm asking you, Lord, now for this particular intensive let the glory of the Lord reside. Let it settle on it very uh, strongly. I'm asking you in every room, over every meal, in every session, Lord, that you would deliver, that you would heal, that you would raise up. Lord God, by the authority of your word and the power that's in your name, I loose your anointing. I loose your power. I loose your authority. I loose your dominion in that house. Oh, God, I'm asking you, Jesus to perform miracle after miracle after miracle and deliverance after deliverance and let the glory of God be revealed in a dynamic way that it's never been before and we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm asking you to uh, just remember that throughout the week and call out to the Lord that he would just have his perfect will accomplished in this intensive this coming week. Praise God. Amen. It's going to be exciting to hear the reports. Praise the Lord. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 12, 
And I want to just read a few verses, and then I want to just, well, before I read, I know I'm jumping around a little. But before I read, I was going to do it at a different time. But I want to compliment you, commend you, whatever the word is, for a great, great commitment to creating more space last week. And uh, I'm excited. Trish shared a little bit. Aaron was here from Van Man this week, and we've been on the computer with Adam, who's the owner of Van Man. And they are excited about what's happening here at the church. And, uh, in fact, Adam's the one that told me that he's been following us on Facebook. And uh, so he can see some of the growth and some of the changes that are going on, and he's, they're excited about it. And uh, so we are already working through uh, getting the architectural structures ready for the, the children's wing. Those walls will be coming down as soon as the structural engineers can get it all approved through the city and all of that kind of thing. And then we'll have a huge classroom for you kids to, to just, uh, I was going to say learn about God, but I was actually going to say just run wild. But, but you can just have a great time in the presence of God and and uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to add another restroom right out here and redo the, we're going to get rid of the hot pink sink. And, uh, and, and it's going to look really, really sharp. And, and they're getting all of that together. And uh, things are just going to be happening here in the next several weeks and maybe a couple of months to get it all done and finished. Um, but I'm excited about it because it just creates a little bit more space to get a few more people in the house of the Lord and allow them to experience what we're experiencing today. Amen. And so this is, I know that there were several that were not here last week that have not uh, committed for this nine-month or eight-month giving commitment season. And uh, some have already paid their whole commitment, and some have... Uh, already started giving, and I don't have those numbers yet, but uh, I know that a few people have turned money in already for it, and that's awesome. But between May and January or December 31st, I want you to know that this church, with several people having not committed yet, have already committed $59,348. Praise God. Praise God. And we've told you that uh, all of this money is going to go to this building some way, shape, or another, whether it be the Sunday school rooms, whether it be the restrooms. We need to do some work here on the platform and drum situation and get all of this taken care of. We need a new compressor. I don't know if you've been scared to death standing by that door when it kicks in, but we need to update that. It's almost 20 years old, and uh, so we need to, to be replacing that. And then... Above and beyond that, if there's more money than there is things that we need to get done here, we'll, we'll add it to our mortgage and uh, drop our mortgage down some as well. So uh, your money's all, it's not going to go to anything else. That's why we've asked you to make your commitment above and beyond the tithe and offerings because the tithe and offerings makes the church function. This sacrificial giving is simply for the building to create space. And uh, so it's not going to go to anything else but the building. Praise God. Praise God. You can just, when you give, uh, whether it's online, whether it's in a chat, just put down in your memo, just put creating space or building, and Taryn will know what that is. And we can apply that money to that 
those funds. Praise God. Matthew chapter 12, I was sitting in the office on Wednesday, I believe, and uh, the Lord brought this to my mind. And I have been preaching several weeks, challenging us to continue to move forward, challenging us to continue to uh, press into the things of God. And um, the Lord, I believe, on Wednesday just said, it's time for one of those pause messages. So I'm not going to be pushing for anything today, but I want to reveal what the Lord is trying to speak into the hearts of his people today because he's wanting to show up for you in a very personal way. This is going to be one of those messages that it's going to deal with you on a personal level because all of us are at different places in our relationship with the Lord. We all have different things happening in our lives, and God wants to know that he knows exactly where you're at, and he knows exactly who you are, and he knows exactly what you need. And if you will heed the voice of God, he always comes through. He always comes through. So Matthew chapter 12, verse number 15, just before we get into verse 15, that know that what this passage is referring to, we come out of a healing of a man with a withered hand, and the Pharisees went to conspire against him to destroy him. And now this verse 15, Jesus was aware of this conspiracy. So he withdrew himself from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Now the word Gentiles there is probably better translated nations. It's, It's to everybody. Um, And then verse 19, he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. I just uh, want to give you that hope today that Jesus is in control. That Jesus is in control. And and listen, when you get it down deep in your heart that he's the one that controls everything, there's a whole lot of stuff that will stop bothering you. There's a whole lot of stuff that will stop hindering you because if you know that he's in control and you really, really believe it, it's the reason why Jesus told his disciples, take no thought for tomorrow what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear, because I've already got your tomorrow planned out. And if he's in control of my tomorrow, he knows what I'm going to need. So why should I worry? And why should I get Uh, distressed by the things that are going on around me when I know that Jesus is in control. 
Can I just tell you, I know it's sometimes not a popular opinion from the pulpit, but I don't care who the president is. I don't care whether it's a far-left president or a far-right president or an in-between president. I'm not worried about who the president is. What I'm worried about is who Jesus is. Because Jesus works when there's a liberal president. Jesus works when there's a conservative president. Jesus works when there's no president that's we're in gridlock and all kinds of things. Listen, I don't care about all of the different issues that are out there. I don't care about what's weighing down the country. All I know is this. If my Jesus is on the throne, he's going to create a way. And even in the midst of some times where we may have to suffer a little bit, he's still in control. He did tell us that in this world we would have trials and tribulations, but to take heed and to take heart because he has overcome the world. So when you get that down deep into the core of who you are and you trust Jesus to have everything in control, it becomes so much easier to live my life. If I am partnered with him financially, I have a way to go to him when I have financial need. If I am partnered with him emotionally, when I am distressed, I have a partner in crime, if you will. He knows what I'm feeling. He's experienced what I'm feeling. He knows everything about me. So I worry. I'll just be honest with you. I know some of it is my personality. I I understand that. My personality is fairly laid back. I really don't worry about much. I really don't. You can ask her. I, I, I don't get too rattled about too many things. But I learned from my father years and years ago as a young boy to just trust Jesus. To just trust him. He knows. He knows where you're at. You see, here's the problem. Our enemy throws things, things out there and around us, and it distracts us because he plays on our emotions. I haven't even started my message. My God in heaven. <clears throat> He plays on our emotions, and where do the emotions originate but the heart? And what does the Bible say about the heart? That it's exceedingly wicked above all things. No man can know it. That doesn't just mean you can't know what's in my heart. That means I don't know what's in my heart. The only one that knows what's in my heart is him. And so it gets, we start making emotional decisions and we start walking by our emotions. But the thing is, is our heart will lie to us. How many have just been a little bit depressed this week? Can I tell you why? Because you have been emotionally detached because we haven't had enough sun. I'm telling you, it affects you. You woke up yesterday morning, and how many was just excited to get active for the day? Instead of throwing on your sweats and sweatshirt and crawling back into bed until the rain was done. Why? Because 
It's an emotional attachment to the environment around you. And if your enemy can ever get you to operate on an emotional basis. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. Emotion is good. If we didn't have an emotional church, we've got an emotional church. We got some of you that cry at the drop of a pin. We got some of you that shout. We've got some of you that clap. We've got some of you that get a little bit excited. I'm thankful for the emotion, but this church is not an emotionally based church. This church is based on the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God. And when the Word of God is the foundation, it will breed or it will ignite emotions. But when you start letting the emotions be your foundation, it's like building a house on sand and not on the rock. And when the winds begin to blow, your house begins to shake and the foundation of your emotions will lie to you and say, God really doesn't love you because the winds are blowing you this way and that. But my friend, it's time that somebody takes a step back and says, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling right now. It only matters matters what I'm built on. I'm built on Jesus, the rock of ages, the one that does not move. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when everything that can be shaken is being shaken, that which is not shaken will remain. Jesus will remain. Oh, so why worry? That was my intro. Here's my title. Bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. I, I want to pull out verse number 20 out of this passage and deal with this for a little bit today. A bruised reed he will not break. Let me, let me just say it again. A bruised reed he will not break. Can I just tell you, I'm so thankful for all of our guests, by the way. Welcome. I hope Jesus touches you today. Thanks for being with us. But whether you're a first-time guest today or you've been here since the onset of this church, if you're sitting in this pew or in this seat today, you are not broken. You are bruised. Some of us, Think because of our past, we are broken vessels in the eyes of God, and he has to put us back together. Can I tell you that you are not really broken? You are bruised. Uh, this is going to mean something to somebody. It means that you're salvageable, and not only are you salvageable, you are a treasure in the eyes of God. You may be tread upon, you may be crushed, you may be trampled, you may be shivering in fear. That's what bruised means, but you're not broken yet. Because a bruised reed, he will not break. You may think you're at the end of the rope. You may think that you're just about finished. But my friend, if you're a bruised reed, he's not going to allow you to be broken. He's going to take you and begin to mend you and begin to take care of you and begin to caress the pains and begin to do the things that needs to get you back to fullness and wholeness. 
this. When I had my heart issue back in 2012, for that first year, they put me on some kind of medicine that I could literally do this and I'd get a bruise. You see, all of us bruise at different stages. All of us bruise at different stages, but we bruise nonetheless. How many have ever felt disappointment? That's a bruise. How many have been abused or neglected? How many have experienced death in your family? How many of you have experienced sickness or injury or failure or worthlessness or loneliness? What is all of that? Those are the bruises of life. Those are the, listen, you've got to hear me today. Those are the bruises of your enemy. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, my friend, he can't break you. He can only bruise you. And a bruised reed Jesus will not break. He'll take you back to restoration. He'll get you back to where he wants you to be. Just allow the master to take you in his hand because your enemy has no power to destroy you. Oh, he'll try. But all he's doing is bruising you. And Jesus is attracted to the bruises. Have you ever wondered why you, he allowed them to slap him and punch him in the face and put a whip upon his back? Because he understood that the price that he was paying was to take care of your bruises. You're not broken today, you're bruised. And he's not going to allow you to break. I find it interesting that Isaiah uses the word a bruised reed. A bruised reed. Because a reed is an interesting, I don't even know if it's a plant, a tree, I don't know what it is. All I know is this. It's not very attractive. And when you're bruised, you may not be very attractive to the eyes of the world. But God doesn't make junk. And if he created the reed to look the way the reed looked, he thinks it's beautiful. He thinks it's worthy of his tending. He thinks it's worth, listen, a reed is a yellow, it's jointed, it's hollow. It's a hollow stock. Oh, Lord, let me get this to the where it needs to be. And the interesting thing about the reed in biblical days was it was the reed that was used as a pen to write on the papyrus. It was a hollow, not very good looking thing that grew up that they would use to write down everything. And where the reed was grown was in the marsh country. 
It wasn't grown where you could build things unless you wanted it to sink. It wasn't built on a solid foundational ground. It was pulled out of the marsh. Let me put it to you in the way the old singer says it. He pulled me out of the miry clay and placed my feet on the rock to stay. You are a reed that was pulled out of a sinking sand and their feet have been planted on solid rock in Jesus. And if you have been pulled out of the marsh and put on solid ground, God wants to use you not as a piece of decoration, but he wants to use you as an instrument to write the next chapter of your life. Your book is not done. The author has not finished it. He's in the midst of writing it, and that's why he won't let you be broken. He'll allow you to be bruised, but he'll take you out of the marsh and he'll use you to write your story. Oh. It was hollow. It was hollow. If you would ever allow yourself to get hollow, He'll fill you. Well, pastor, this all sounds good, but I still feel bruised. Have you hollowed yourself out yet? Have you emptied yourself? Ha have you moved some things out so that he can move in? Can I just, get, let me give you this spiritual principle. This just kind of came to me. The Bible tells us of demons that have possessed a home. And the Bible says when they go in and they cast those demons out of the home, the demons will travel around the city looking for a place. And if you don't fill the house before they get back to your house, they come in, and the Bible says they'll come in even stronger. Okay, I, I, I've heard that preached a, long, a lot of times in the negative, that it's about the demons, it's about the evil spirits. But can I just tell you, the evil spirits were created the same as the angelic spirits were? They are rebellious spirits. They are rebellious angels. And so I don't want to give them credit, but can I just tell you that if your house is empty, the spirits of creation are trying to set up residence within you, whether it's his spirits or the spirits that have rebelled. Can I just tell you when you empty it out, the thing that happens is there is a battle that goes on to take up residence where you're at. So don't just take stuff out. Don't just ask God to take stuff away, but ask God to fill you. Here's the exciting thing. Where the evil spirits are created angels, the one that wants to reside in your house is the creator of the angels. Jesus himself wants to take up residence, and where Jesus is, anything can happen. And where Jesus is, is all power and authority and dominion. And when your hollow reed is filled with Jesus, 
your story makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> Listen, I want to tie together something, and so you're going to need by the Spirit. Right now, Lord, let every person catch this. There is a reason why he said the bruised reed he will not break. Because Jesus doesn't believe in broken. He believes in bruised. What does it mean to be broken? It means to shatter in at least two pieces. It means to become separated. It means to become disjointed. It become, There's a breaking. Can I tell you that Jesus is our example of being bruised but not broken? I want you to think about what Jesus does. It says here at the end of verse 20, until he brings justice to victory, until he turns justice into victory, we, by justice purposes, should be dead. But he went to a cross so that we would have victory. And it was at the cross, if you will remember, if you read in John chapter 19, that after Jesus took the last breath in his humanity and gave up the ghost, a verse in, in chapter 19, verse 33, says that the soldiers went to the three that were on the cross to do something. What did they do? They went and they broke the thieves' legs to make sure that he died. But when the soldier came to Jesus, he said he's already passed. There's no need to break any bones in his body. Fulfilling the book of Psalms that says he was out of joint, but his bones were never broken. My friend, Jesus stayed whole so we could be whole. It's the reason why he doesn't break us. It'll allow the bruising, but the bruising can heal. But the breaking and the separation never has to happen. Because he wants to heal. Can I just tell you that in this verse 20, it deals with a spiritual and a natural aspect of who we are. The bruised reed tends to deal with our humanity. We are, hu we are humanly bruised by abuse and neglect and disappointment and, and loneliness and worthlessness and, and failures. But he didn't stop there. See, Jesus isn't just concerned about our physical natural. He's also concerned about our spiritual and notice what he says. He says, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Now, this is what's happening in the church today. Before we go further, would you just close your eyes? Everybody close your eyes. And if you're here today, 
and you are that bruised reed that think you're just barely hanging on, that life has become so difficult and you feel the pounding of the enemy and the pounding of life, would you just raise your hand right now in the presence of God? Ah, just keep them raised. There's nothing to be ashamed. All right. Anybody else? There's hands all over this congregation. Just keep your eyes closed, and would you just begin to pray with me? Jesus, I release the balm of Gilead in this place. I release the healing of the Master. Lord, from the top of every head to the sole of every foot, Lord God, where these hands are raised, I'm asking you right now to flood their souls with the healing virtue of God. I am asking you, Lord, to fill up the emptiness. I am asking you, Lord, to heal the bruising. I'm asking you, Lord, to bind up the abuse and the neglect. I'm asking you, Lord, to bind up disappointment and worthlessness. I'm asking you to bind up loneliness. I'm asking you, Lord, to bind up low self-esteem. And I'm asking you to move it out. And I'm asking you now to fill it up with authority. I'm asking you to release your anointing of gladness. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to release the name of the Lord Jesus into their lives. Lord, let them pick up their reed one more time. Let them begin to write one more time. Give them strength and energy, O oh God. Let there be a flooding of your anointing and the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Yeah. Ha. Uh. My Lord, my Lord, you are not broken. You are bruised. Stop beating yourself up. You're just a bruised reed that needs the hand of the master. He has not given up on you. He is not neglecting you. He has not forgotten you. He's standing right here in front of you today. And a smoldering wick he will not quench. <laughs> this isn't the kind of wick that you find on a candle. A candle, you put wax and you put a string that goes through it. And you light the little piece of string that comes up out of the wax. And as the string burns, it melts the wax so that it can continue to give light. That's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is like an old-fashioned lantern, an old-fashioned lamp. And what they would do would they would take this linen, they called it flax, they would take this linen and they would roll it up, and they would feed it through a hole in a lamp, and they'd let the bottom part of the, 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 the wick, if you will, the, the, that linen cloth, would just stay rolled up in the bottom of a lantern. And what they would do then is they would put oil in the lantern, and they would light the, the wick, 
And the way that it continued to burn is somebody had to continually turn it so that as the wick would absorb the oil underneath it, the flame would continue to give them light. And so Jesus comes along and says, A smoldering wick I will not quench. You know what I thought when something smolders? I mean, just think about it. You've got a bonfire, and you start throwing water on it to get it to go out. And you just kind of see just a little bit. There's no flame. There's no fire. You just kind of see the smoke. That's what I pictured when it was smoldering, a smoldering fire. But can I just, can I give you a revelation that the Lord gave to me in this passage? Because when I looked up the word smoldering, or in the King James Version, uh, it uses the word smoking. Or, oh, and what it means is simply this, to be consumed without a flame. To be consumed without a flame. I am here to tell somebody that there are seasons in life where you think you're being consumed, but you don't see the Spirit of God. Uh, Somebody's got to understand today that the flame of the Spirit, according to the book of Acts, is the aspect of the Holy Ghost working in our lives. Because in Acts chapter 2, it says this, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Can I tell you that the flame of God is the expression of His Spirit at work within us? And if you read elsewhere in the Scriptures... It talks about the anointing oil of God. That oil is representative of the Spirit. And there are days and moments when you think you've used up all of His Spirit, but you're still being consumed, and your wick is not expressing the flame that you want it to express, you're just giving off a little bit of smoke because the oil has dried up in the basin of your lamp. Can I just tell somebody today, you may just be smoking a little bit. You may not be on fire, but God hasn't forgotten you, and the Bible says he will not quench you. It doesn't mean, listen, it just needs one little spark. It just needs a little bit of oil. It just needs a little bit of worship. It just needs a little bit of prayer. 
praise and the flame that seems to have gone out that is still consuming you will catch the oil of the Spirit and the Spirit will work through the wick and it will begin to express the light and the power and the fire of God. Ah, some of us are feeling today like smoldering wicks. You've expended all your spiritual energy. You're, you're, you're in that low point of life. It's that season where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt his spirit is with you, but you're not seeing it at all. All you're seeing is what happened last week, what happened two weeks ago, what happened a month or a year ago when the fires of the Holy Ghost consumed whatever you were dealing with and you had victory and you had deliverance and you had release in the presence of God and you had the anointing of the Lord flowing through you and everything seemed like you were on cloud nine, but today you have come and you know the Holy Spirit is still there, but all you can see is a little bit of smoke. Let me tell you something. He is not going to let you go out. Hebrews chapter 4. He is listed as our high priest. What was the role of the high priest or one of the roles in the high priest in the Old Testament? It was to go to the table of showbread where the lampstands were, and it was their responsibility to make sure that the oil and the wicks were all connected, were all operating well, were all at full capacity. It's the reason why Eli and Hophni and Phinehas were such bad high priests, not because they sinned, that was part of it, not because they were, but because they used strange fire, that's part of it, but the reason why they were so so bad as high priests is they let the oil go down. And it extinguished what God was trying to do. And so God had to raise up a Samuel. Oh. There's somebody here I know there is that you just feel. I, I know God's got me. I, I, I know the, the Spirit of the Lord is there. But I just haven't seen it in such a long time. I haven't seen the fire of the lantern that lights my pathway. I've been walking in darkness, I need to see a great light. I haven't given up on God. I haven't given up on church. I believe in everything that I've always believed in, but I'm just not seeing it, God. All I'm seeing is the smoke, and I feel myself get consumed but I have not been re-energized. I need some oil, Lord. I, I, I need some oil, Lord. 
I need your spirit, Jesus, to grab a hold of my life. Listen, a, a smoldering wick is in reference to you and me. For you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And so we need to have our wicks shining the light to those that can't see and those that don't know who he is. But if the oil has gotten low, Jesus hasn't given up on you. He's just here today to refill. Get it back up so that you can soak it up. Can I tell you, sometimes, sometimes it wasn't the oil Put some dirt or some other obstacle would get on the wick and it wouldn't attract the oil. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. It wouldn't attract the oil to get all the way to the top where the flame lights. And, and so the wick is totally saturated by the oil, but something is already blocking it. Is that you? Is that you today? Have you been serving without burning? You've been smoldering? Here's the neat thing about that. I don't know that that water will help or not, but it tastes good. People are attracted to flames. They are equally attracted to smoke. Which means when you don't feel like you've got the fire, you're still attracting people. Jesus is still using you. I, I want you to think about it. You drive down the countryside, you don't see any flames, but you see a bunch of smoke. Are you not attracted to it? Man, I wonder what's going on over there. Let's drive over there and see what's burning. Ah, uh, one old-time preacher said this. I was born in the fire. I don't like sitting in the smoke. Lord, light me. Ignite me. Let the flames grow high. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're a smoldering wick, you know, you know, you know, you know that Jesus is with you. You have sold out to him. You're going to live for him no matter what. But you just haven't been seeing the fire. Would you raise your hand in this house? Yeah. Huh. Once again, God's right. Gave me the right message. Would you pray with me now, Jesus? From the top of their head to the sole of their feet, I'm asking you, God, right now, let the oil of the Holy Ghost, let the Spirit of the Risen One saturate the wick right now. Lord, I'm asking you to fill the vessel to overflowing. 
I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to allow every life whose hand was raised begin to soak in the Spirit so that by the time we leave here in the next couple of minutes, that Spirit has saturated the wick and that wick has ignited by the authority of your Word. Do it now, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I invite you to stand. I feel very strongly to do this right now. If you today are a bruised reed or a smoldering wick, would you step into the aisle and make your way across this, all the way across the front? There's nothing to be ashamed in it. He likes the reed. He likes the wick. It's just that you're dealing with some things.